thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Bush Stadium in St. Louis. It's the St. Louis Cardinals 7, the Cleveland Indians 2. The St. Louis Cardinals avoid the sweep, and on Adam Wainwright's 39th birthday, he pitches a complete game for hitter. Quite the celebration for Adam Wainwright. Now, we've got a fun episode here. We've got a lot to talk about. I was hoping hoping that I could open up this episode with huge trade news. I've been checking Twitter all morning, Bleacher Report. No reports have come through. All, everything last night was noise. There's noise about Clevenger being traded to the Braves. There's noise about him being traded to the Padres. There's noise about a mystery team. Ooh, who could the mystery team be? The Yankees? The Reds? Who knows? The Reds would be interesting, right? They're just going to stock up on Cleveland pitching. I know I normally, in my opening, say that I want to talk about the game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. But the truth is, I'm a little bit of a transaction junkie. I love when there's a trade or a draft, free agency. I'm down for all of it. I love when there's breaking news like that. And so the fact that the Indians are going to be active here at the trade deadline is exciting. Now... I'm a little surprised by the strategy because every other team in baseball, it feels like, is just, you know, getting whoever they want for minor leaguers, whoever they want. The San Diego Padres have made like three trades in like the last 24 hours. They got Mitch Moreland for player to be named later. And if you see player to be named later right now, that's code for someone not in the 60 player pool. The rule was you can only trade for guys in the 60 player pool. However, they put a loophole in that said you can do a player to be named later. So it's some minor leaguer that isn't in their player pool. So Mitch Moreland gets traded. Uh, Seattle's been trading guys like crazy. They've been trading pitchers. They've been trading. They just traded their starting catcher to San Diego. And all these trades seem to be going down for minor leaguers. They're not... Uh, the San Diego did give up a lot of top prospects to get that catcher from Seattle, but it feels like a lot of trades are going down. Uh, Braves got a pitcher from Baltimore, and top prospects don't seem to be being traded right now. So why do the Indians have to give up one of their best pitchers to go get some outfield help, to go get some hitting help? Or maybe they're trading him for some star prospect that we don't know yet. Uh, Drew Waters is the name they've been talking about in Atlanta. That would be interesting. He's supposed to be a really good outfielder, a good hitter. Can I believe he's a switch hitter. Top ranked in the Braves organization. I think they're number two prospect. So are they going to go get a guy like that and put him in the starting lineup right away? Or can we give up some single-A pitcher? Can we give up some double-A reliever and go get a veteran outfielder that can hit? Why can't we do that if everybody else in the league is doing that? So we will see what goes down in the next 24 hours. Well, not even 24 hours. I think they have till 4 o'clock today to make that trade. So we will see what goes down. And I'll even refresh Twitter one more time before this episode ends just to make case, make sure Clevenger doesn't get traded and we can't talk about it. All right, the other big thing to look forward to is this game had a balk. And I was seeing on Twitter people, especially the Indians UK account, some other people were like, I don't even know what a balk is. What am I seeing here? So we are going to talk balk at the end of the episode. I know it may sound boring, but believe me, there's some interesting stuff here. So hang in for that. Let's talk about how this game went down. 
Uh, it felt like Adam Wainwright was getting a lot of calls to start this game. It felt like St. Louis was getting a lot of calls to start this game. The uh, home plate umpire must have gotten a slice of birthday cake from Adam Wainwright because he was expand- expanding the zone to both sides for Wainwright. Cesar Hernandez gets struck struck out looking to start the game on pitch at two called strikes that were way outside. Uh, the Indians don't do anything in the first. There's a fun tag play, a fun caught stealing in the bottom of the first. Uh, Tommy Edmond tried to steal third base on a delayed uh, attempt. Jose Ramirez was playing way off the bag, and so Edmund on his secondary league thought, I think I could beat Jose Ramirez at third base. And he was right, except Jose Ramirez doesn't have to be on the base to tag him. So uh, you've never seen this, really, but Roberto Perez actually had to hesitate on his throw. He had to hold the ball and wait for Ramirez to get close to third base to throw. And Ramirez is able to slap the tag on Edmund's rear end, basically, before his foot could get to the bag. We had to challenge it. It was originally called safe, but on the review, it's overturned. Speaking of reviews that are overturned, in the top of the second, Fermil Reyes walks, and then Tyler Naquin comes up, and Tyler Naquin gets a low changeup, low down and in changeup for Tyler Naquin, and we all know that's his sweet spot. He hits a line drive out to right field. Originally, they thought it hit off the top of the wall. Rick Manning saw it right away. He was calling it a home run. The ball actually caromed off of a railing, a, a, a perpendicular railing to the fence. It's a one-in-a-million shot. It One hops off the top of the fence, hits this railing, and comes back into play. So after a quick review, it is called a home run, and the Indians are up to nothing, and you're feeling pretty good about that, right? Uh, you're feeling like we might run away with this thing again. It's a 10-game hit streak, I believe, for Tyler Naquin. And I think they said maybe six games in a row with an extra base hit. So Naquin is locked in right now. Things, however, fall apart for Aaron Savale in the bottom of the second. Now, Savale does go six innings in this game, but he struggled compared to other starts. He was not getting the strikeouts. He could not command at two-seam fastball at all. It, you know, Before, when he was throwing it in and tight to the left-handers, he was striking out a lot of Minnesota Twins in his last start with it. This start, it was up. It was in the middle of the plate. It was up and away. He just seemed like he did not have feel for any of his pitches yesterday, although he did battle. And the second inning was really the only trouble that he got into. So Paul DeYoung singles after Brad Miller grounds out. With one out, he singles. Yadier Molina then singles, and DeYoung goes to third. I believe I called him DeJong on the last episode. Eh, who knows? He, who knows he's related to the drummer for Styx. So, or is it the singer from Styx? Anyway, someone from Styx. So Yadier Molina singles, moves him over to third. Matt Carpenter then walks to load the bases, and Dexter Fowler comes up. And I feel like since the 2016 World Series, Dexter Fowler has just been a pain in our ass. He's been a thorn in our side. He doubles down the line, brings in DeYoung, brings in Molina. Carpenter goes to third. And then the next batter, Dylan Carlson, he singles underneath a diving Carlos Santana. Matt Carpenter comes in to score. Dexter Fowler comes in to score. I thought Naquin might have a play at the plate on Fowler, but instead he actually threw behind Carlson to try to get him at first. Didn't work, and Fowler came in to score. It's 4-2 to St. Louis over Cleveland. And 
Then the uh, Cardinals run themselves out of another inning. That was the theme for the weekend. Carlson tried stealing second, and Roberto Perez nailed him, and then Colton Wong lines out to end the threat. That's two caught stealing already, and we're only in the bottom of the second inning. It's a small sample size. We've just seen them this weekend, but it feels like the Cardinals might be the worst base-running team in baseball right now. The Indians do threaten in the top of the third. You thought they might answer back. You thought they might have Wainwright's number on the day. Delano to shield singles to center. Cesar Hernandez gets called out looking again. He was he could not have been happy with that home plate umpire. Jose Ramirez walks, and then, but then Francisco Lindor flies out to right field, and Carlos Santana strikes out to end the threat. So just when we thought we might answer back, Adam Wainwright starts to lock in, and then Adam Wainwright really locks in. He shuts down the Indians for the rest of the game. The Indians would only have two more hits for the rest of the game. It didn't even feel like we really put a threat together after this. Adam Wainwright's final line on the day is nine innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, two walks, nine strikeouts. So at the beginning of the game, it it definitely felt like the umpires were helping him out. But from about the fifth inning on, he was locked in. He was painting the corners with his fastball, with his curveball. And the Indians hitters were completely off balance. They did get a like, ground rule double from Jose, from Cesar Hernandez. He got a little bit of revenge, got his hit, but it wasn't enough. And the Cardinals would continue to pull away. Savali gives up a double to Paul Goldschmidt in the bottom of the third. It was a ball that Luplo lost in the sun. It was a bright day in St. Louis. I heard some people on Twitter were kind of crushing Luplo for this, but... It's. I mean, when you lose a ball in the sun, you lose a ball in the sun. I don't think it is a measure of how good you are as a defender. Uh, so Goldsmith gets a double out of that. Brand Miller grounds out, moves Goldsmith to third, and here where we go with Paul DeYoung batting. Aaron Savale box, and Paul Goldsmith comes in to score, makes it five to two St. Louis. That one hurt. Young would ground out to end the inning. You thought we might get out of it, but. The Bach brings in the run. Now, what did he do? What, did, did you see what he did on the replay? Basically, he started into his pitching motion and then stopped. So he basically flinched. He lifts his head. He lifts his shoulders. But then he comes back to his position where he looks into the catcher. Um, that's a Bach. If you, any move you do that's a fake, a fake out, uh, a flinch, anything like that, it could affect the runner, right? If they're going on first movement, so it's a balk, and Paul Goldschmidt comes in and makes it five to two, and that one hurt. Like four to two felt manageable. You get one guy on, you could tie it up with a homer. Five to two felt, uh, felt a, a lot further away, didn't it? It felt like a much bigger hill to climb. They would keep adding on in the bottom of the seventh. Cam Hill comes in now to replace Savali. He gives up a home run right away to Dexter Fowler. I'm telling you, Dexter Fowler is going to, he's trouble for us. And then in the eighth inning, Adam Simber comes in now. He gets into a jam. After he gets two outs, he gives up a ground rule double to DeYoung and then gives up a single to Yadier Molina, who brings in DeYoung. That would be all. For him, Dominic Leone would come in and would get Harrison Bader to strike out to end the threat. 
However, in the top of the ninth, Wainwright was just cooking. He was over 100 pitches. He threw 122 pitches on the day. Francisco Lindor lines out to center. Carlos Santana pops out to Tommy Edmond, who slid in into foul territory to catch the ball. A couple of sliding catches for the Cardinals. I got to give the Cardinals defense credit. Matt Carpenter had one. Dexter Fowler had one. They were no, they weren't diving for the ball. They were dropping down to a hip and sliding and making some good catches. And then Fermil Reyes flies out to left to end the game and give Adam Wainwright his 122-pitch complete game. So the Cardinals just kept pulling away, and Wainwright was just locked in. So it happens. We win the series, but the Cardinals do get some revenge and win last night or yesterday afternoon 7-2. to two. Looking at the Indians' box score, it is not pretty. The Indians only had four hits on the day. St. Louis had 11. Can I give MVP for a day to the opposing team? I mean, it doesn't really feel like anyone on the Indians earned it. Savali goes six innings, eight hits, five earned runs, two walks, and only three strikeouts. Way down for him. Uh, You know what? I'm going to do it. It's my show. MVP for a day goes to Adam Wainwright. The dude is turned 39 years old, and he just pitched 122-pitch complete game, four-hitter, two earned runs, two walks, and nine strikeouts. And, yeah, that deserves MVP for a day. Sorry, Indians fans. No one on our – I mean, I would have given it to Tyler Naquin because he had a two-run home run, but – It wasn't enough. The Indians just did not do enough yesterday. Maybe they were just exhausted after being on the road, three-game series. They got to stay on the road now. They go to Kansas City. Hopefully, we can beat up on the Kansas City Royals because we have fallen back into a tie for first place with the Chicago White Sox. The Minnesota Twins are actually on a five-game losing streak, so they stay a game and a half behind Cleveland and Chicago. But Kansas City is 13-21. and 21. They're the worst team in the American League Central, and we got to get out there and beat up on the Royals and reclaim first place. So that's all that went down yesterday. Let's talk a little bit about the Bach because, oh, it's so, it's so much fun. So basically, this rule was instituted to – even things out between base stealers and the pitcher. And it's been in baseball since like the 1800s. A balk is an illegal act by the pitcher when one or more runners are on base. The rule is in place to prevent a pitcher from deceiving the base runners. When a balk is called, the ball is dead and all runners move up one base. Now, there are tons of different ways for a pitcher to balk. If the pitcher starts his pitching motion without completing the pitch, fakes the throw to first base, while standing on the rubber, throws to a base without stepping directly towards the base. So that's why a lot of times you'll see those lefties, when they bring that leg up, they still step towards first base to make a pickoff throw. An illegal pitch, a quick pitch, uh, pitching while not facing the batter, any part of the pitching motion while not touching the rubber. So there, there's so many. There's, I, I think if you really break it down, I think now they have only 13 different actions here, but there's so many different ways these actions can be interpreted. There's a lot of different things. But basically, you're looking for anything that fakes out the base runner. Because if you flinch and that base runner goes, then um, 
he's dead duck, right? He's a, you could just easily turn, throw to second, and he'd be a dead duck. Or you could throw back to first if you get him to stumble off the base too far. Now, there have been different times throughout baseball history. This is where it gets interesting. There have been ba- different times throughout baseball history where they get a little lax with the rules, and then they seem to enforce the rules. Now, if you really want to know about the balk, there is someone's blog out there, David Venturi, who wrote balks in illustrative and quantitative history. This dude did the biggest deep dive on balks you will ever see. Here are some of the highlights, though. The thing you got to know about is definitely the year of the balk, which was 1988. There have been different times throughout history where they've really tried to crack down and enforce. One was in 1889. They got really serious about box, and there's a spike in the amount of box per innings pitched. In 1988, it is off the charts. There was one balk for every 40 innings pitched in 1988. It's known as the year of the balk, and basically the umpires were like, we are going to crack down on everything. Every flinch, every fake pitch, we are going to call. Now, you're probably wondering... I know you're wondering, who is the leader in box right now? The Bach king, as this blog post would call him. Well, that would go to Don Hinkle. He only pitched two seasons from 88 to 89, which was in the year of the Bach. He boxed seven times and only 62 innings pitched for a Bach rate of 8.95 innings per Bach. Clearly the leader in the clubhouse. Now, his data set started, you had to have pitch a minimum of 50 innings. So this guy only pitched for two years. Who knows if Don Hinkle would have had a longer career if he could have stretched that out. But every 8.95 innings pitched, he would balk. Uh, not many names on this list you might recognize unless you're a serious, serious baseball enthusiast. All right, what about the modern day balk king? It's, it's a little more stretch out. This is since the year 2000. Uh, the, actually, the, the great one here is Franklin Morales, who pitched from 2007 to 2015. He definitely has the most innings pitched of anyone on this list, and he's boxed 17 times. That's one balk for every 28.59 innings pitched. Now, who is the balk Iron Man? This is, again, from this blog here. Who's pitched the most innings We've given up the least amount of box. Well, there's actually been a lot of guys that have pitched, have not thrown any box in their entire career. But the winner for Ironman goes to Kirk Reuter, who pitched from 93 to 2005. He pitched 1,918 innings without a single balk. So there is your balk Ironman. This is back on Wikipedia for some Wikipedia details about a balk. Steve Carlton apparently has thrown the most box in major in his major league career. So not most per inning pitch, but the most in his career. He's thrown 90 box. The single season record is held by Dave Stewart, who had 16 box in 1988, the year of the box. The most box in a single game is held by Bob Shaw, who had five box on May 4th, 1963, while pitching for the Milwaukee Braves against the Chicago Cubs. There have been some famous balks. This one is incredible, though. In, uh, on June 14, 2019, I do not remember this from last year, Dodgers closer Kenley Jansen intentionally balked during a game against the Cubs. 
The Dodgers had a 5-3 lead with two outs in the top of the ninth inning. Jason Hayward was on second base, and they were concerned that they could steal his signs. Kenley Jansen didn't want to give up a two-run home run to tie the game. He thought Jason Hayward might steal his signs from second base, so he intentionally balked, moved him to third, and then he struck out Victor Carantini for the final out of the game. That's an incredible balk there. So if you want some more balk info, go check out David Venturi's blog. It comes up in the Google search. If you search blog, if you search baseball balk rules in history, that's what will come up, David Venturi's blog. So go check that out. And that's all I got about the block, the balk. Now, we're facing the Kansas City Royals next. They actually have not even announced their like full starting rotation for the weekend. I know that we are facing one of the younger guys tomorrow, Brad Keller, who's having himself a pretty good season. He's 3-1 and one with a 2.08 ERA. He's been pitching for Kansas City for three seasons now, and he's definitely having his best season. Average against is down to 189. His whip is down to 1.15. He does not strike out a lot of guys. His Ks per nine are only 7.89, and his walks are 4.57 per nine innings. So not a lot of strikeouts giving up a couple of walks there. So hopefully the Indians can take advantage of that. You know how much the Indians love to walk. And hopefully we can get to Brad Keller early and put a beating on these Kansas City Royals. Let's go sweep Kansas City and run this Central Division. Get back into the lead. Now, I told you I would check Twitter. I don't see any trades, unfortunately. They're still saying they're going to make a trade today. The Indians will deal Clevenger today, but there is nothing official being reported this morning so far. So those are all my thoughts. I hope you enjoyed my deep dive on the Bach. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from St. Louis. It's the St. Louis Cardinals 7, the Cleveland Indians 2. We'll be back tomorrow to cover, actually, Shane Bieber's on the mound. We talked about Keller. Shane Bieber's pitching for the Indians. So let's see if Bieber can bounce us back from the loss, get us back in the win column. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can now email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>